Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 77 of the Headspace and Timing Podcast, a show brought to you by the Change Your POV Podcast Network. Today, we're talking to another veteran who's become a clinical mental health counselor, John Kilpatrick. John and his team have established an organization called Veterans Recovery Resources in Mobile, Alabama, and, like me, is looking to make a difference in the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health. Oftentimes, we separate the mental health from the physical health um, and the spiritual health and the social health and the financial health, and you just you can't separate it. It's all part of um, the, the, we call it kind of a 360 view of the whole health. Um, and and you really can't separate it out because, especially for veterans, but it's really true for everyone, um, you know, I don't have chronic pain um, in isolation. I have chronic pain in the midst of um, a post-traumatic event, or I have chronic pain in the midst of um, an addiction. You know, it, it all happens simultaneously, and, and if, we, if we don't take that whole person approach, um, it, it, we get kind of sidetracked. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veterans, service members, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. From what I understand is the, the University of South Alabama, that's where Joseph was, and that was really where the uh, Veterans Recovery Resources started? Um, so, so I started it, and then um, Joe was, I think, maybe about the third person I spoke to about it, and uh, Joe's position at the University of South Alabama is, um, is what kind of got us together, and, and now we've got a clinical team um, together that includes uh, several um, of the faculty at at the University of South Alabama, um, as well as you know many others, some graduates, um, and then we've got a couple of social workers who are graduates of the University of Alabama, um, and then uh, we actually have one of Joe's PhD candidates is doing an assistantship with us uh, this fall, um, and then we've got plans for. Um, similar uh, interns, assistantships in uh, physical therapy, the physician assistant program, and also the occupational therapy program at the University of South Alabama. But it and is we'll also not... host, uh, we'll, we'll do field placement for social workers from the University of Alabama. But it is not affiliated with the University of uh, South Alabama. No, we are not affiliated with any any other organization. Uh, we certainly got a lot of good community relationships, but we are, you know, we don't have any formal affiliation with anyone. This is what I'm starting to see really is things emerging into to really four different spaces. Um, university 
clinics like Rush has one and, and we have one here in University of Colorado, Colorado Springs that are specific veteran clinics that are embedded in a university. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, Cohen and Headstrong and the big foundational uh, organizations. But then uh, organizations mm-hmm. like yours and, and mine that are independent, but affi- not affiliate, but independent in the community with the community connections. And, and I think it's important because... Honestly, I don't think that we have the voice that we should have when it comes to talking about mental health in the community um, because it's being drowned out. That's, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great point that you make. And it's, um, I mean, it's actually in our bylaws. Uh, when we formed um, Veterans Recovery Resources, um, we had those very things in mind. Um, and so there's a couple of things that's, um, that are really unique to Veterans Recovery Resources. One is that um, our bylaws require the majority of our board to be veterans. Um, we also have um, a preference um, and, dare say, requirement for um, the, the, the majority of our clinical staff uh, and, and, and all our employees to be veterans. Um, but it's... it's um, you know, something that, that we can do, we can do things that the VA is, um, you know, can't do, but it's really not designed to do. You know, the VA um, provides a fantastic service um, for a lot of veterans, um, but there's, there's places where you have to have a community partner, um, and that's what we want to be. And so um, we are, you know, always very quick to, to let folks know that, um, while we welcome, um, I mean, we need relationships in the communities, um, we are only accountable to our board and to the veterans that we serve and no one else. Um, and so, you know, if, 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 if given the, the choice or, or we have to choose, we'll always choose um, the veterans we care for. Right. And, and uh, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that uh, that's important, you know, is what we're doing, is that good for the veteran? But it sounds like it's as much, um, it's as much cooperation uh, rather than conflict. I mean, this is a lot of the discussion is, is uh, people believe that community providers are diametrically opposed to the VA, um, but, but it's a collaborative effort. It's not a competitive effort. It is absolutely a collaborative effort, and you know, not to get too political, but um, you know, our government is designed um, to uh, provide services um, in conjunction with community partners, faith-based organization, other uh, community services, and, and you know, no governmental organization is ever going to be all things to all people. Um, they're just not designed to do it. And, and like I, I tell folks, you know, um, depending on, on what vision you're in and what clinic you're going to, you know, somewhere between 85 and I'd say probably even 95% in some areas of veterans get uh, everything they need from the VA and it's high quality health care. But, you know, even in the best ones, there's still that 5% um, that needs something different uh, or you know, I'm sure you read that recent study uh, the VA published, uh, I think it twitched into last year, um, where the two major barriers to veterans seeking care in the VA, uh, number one was the VA, and number two was the veteran. Right. And, you know, so, so there's got to be an alternative for those uh, who either don't want to or can't seek care in the VA. And so I think we're headed in the right direction with uh, VA Choice and expanding that um, so that folks can, you know, get a timely appointment. Um, and for us, it's more about um, location. And so, you know, if, if, you, if you have um, a mental health issue that requires residential treatment, uh, your chances of long-term recovery uh, go up considerably if you can get that treatment where you live. So when we, you know, when we send somebody out of town for treatment, you know, towards the end of any good residential treatment, um, those folks are going to start going out in the community and start connecting at, you know, 12-step groups and other community resources. And it's, it's a, 
to me, it's counterproductive to, to get those connections in a community um, towards the end of your treatment, and then you move back home, and you don't have any of those connections. You know, that brings so, up... like for us... Go ahead. No, that, that brings up uh, something that a stone that just dropped into my mind is one of the most effective ways that we found to treat veterans um, with, uh, with mental health concerns while we were deployed was treat them as far forward as possible. Keep them with their Absolutely. unit, keep them with their organization, and keep them in a place where you don't remove them from something. Here in Colorado, uh, and I've often said, there's things that the VA can't do, or the VA, things the VA can do that we can't, which is um, the, the long-term residential. Out here, it's in Sheridan and, and Grand Island and, and things like that. Um, but you, you bring up a good point in that in the military, we found it was most effective to treat the veteran or treat the service member as far forward as possible. Um, but we don't really do that in the post-military treatment. No, um, that that's exactly right. And um, it's funny you say that because I was actually in charge of that in my last appointment, um, uh, working in Kuwait and, and managing health care for CENTCOM. Um, I mean, we were regularly, I'm talking about weekly rotations, sending behavioral health folks forward. Um, I'm talking about as far forward as you could get them uh, to the FOBs up in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan uh, to just to start that mental health discussion. You know, and we, we have so many veterans, especially in our rural areas uh, here in Alabama, um, where, you know, it's 100 miles to the nearest VA clinic and um you know, we've got to figure out a way, just like you said, to get that health care and that mental health care uh, as far forward as we can, um, because you, you really have to, uh, for long-term success, you've got to find uh, recovery at home, and you've got to find a community of um, folks, um, you know, to, to support you and that you can support uh, where you live, and, um, you know, that's so... But again, you know, it's it's not the VA's problem to solve. It, it's our problem to solve. It's us, you know, those of us in recovery. Um, but you know, we can we can work together with the VA. Where, you know, say we get a veteran uh, that that goes through the residential program in Biloxi, which is about sixty miles away for us. Um, you know, if we can coordinate with the VA and that guy lives, you know, in the Mobile area or South Alabama, you know, we can we can coordinate his aftercare. Um, so that he gets treatment at the VA and then gets connected with our community recovery, um, our recovery community here, um, you know, that's a win-win. And I think this kind of uh, collaborative and cooperative approach uh, is ultimately better for the veteran. Um, and again, not competitive, not organizations like yours or mine or anyone else's individually or collectively could supplant uh, the VA. That's that's not possible. Uh, but I work uh, very closely with our local veterans court here in Colorado Springs, uh, and, and it's really a model for um, cross-organizational cooperation. You have the state folks and the judicial branch. You have local nonprofits. You have local um, uh in organizations, companies like mine, like like the one that I work for, and then you have the VA. So you have all of these people that you know. If if you know, people would believe that you wouldn't be able to get along, but it does work very well because it's a, a collaborative effort. And like you said, it's for the focus of the veteran. Yeah, and we're um, you know that that's one of the things that we did um, that we've done here. Um, and, and to be honest, before anybody even knew what we were doing, we spent two years uh, developing those relationships. And so, um, like the peer support symposium we, we hosted um, recently, you know, we had um, strong attendance from the VA. We had, we had folks coming from the VA um, around the country, here to South Alabama, um, all talking about the same things. Um, you know, the way we employ peer support in our organization is a little different um, than what the VA does, but, um, you know, we can draw on experience of folks like, um, you know, Bob Curry up at uh, Dry Hooch. Uh, we had him down for the symposium. Uh, we had some, uh, some peer support uh, folks uh, out of New York. We had some out of Texas uh, come and present. And then some of our own, uh, you know, research being done right here 
at the University of South Alabama. Uh, we had Dr. David Albright come down from um, the University of Alabama uh, and talk about uh, mental health and the, and the opioid crisis and how you know how important peer support is. And, and by design, you know, peer support is a local. Um, it has to be local, um, and so you know the way we we develop our peers. Um, it has to be in conjunction with all of the other services out there. Um, that means, you know, like you said, state, local government, the VA, um, the, the the prison systems, the the state courts, federal courts. Um, you know, we we've got to all work together. I mean, it's designed to work that way. So I, I'd like to to hear a little bit more about the peer support symposium. Now, um, you know, people are joining us sort of in the middle of the conversation. So Veterans Recovery Resources uh, is a bunch of different things, uh, but primarily it is a clinic, a mental health clinic, an outpatient mental health clinic for veterans uh, to be able to receive mental health treatment. Uh, but you just hosted, uh, I assume it's going to be your first annual. It was the first uh, uh, peer support symposium uh, that that you put together and that your organization hosted. So I, I guess if you could uh, tell us a little bit more about how the peer support symposium came about and sort of maybe some of the results you got from that. Sure. So um, it, it came out of um, a grant, actually. Um, so as I told you, I, I finished my master's degree in social work uh, last May. Um, but uh, we were awarded um, from the University of Alabama um, the, their 2017 Outstanding Student-Led um, Community Engagement. And, um, and that came with a, a small financial grant uh, with a lot of um, restrictions on how to spend it. And so one of the things that we really wanted to do um, was and what we've been working on for the last year or so is uh, trying to get uh, kind of the best practices and peer support from all the various uh, programs uh, to kind of, um, you know, everything we do at Veterans Recovery, uh, we, we call it the Veterans Recovery way. And so, um, you know, we like to uh, see what's working elsewhere, talk to the people who know, find the experts, get to the bottom of it, and um, and through collaboration and cooperation and, and sharing ideas, come up with kind of the best practices. And so the Peer Support Symposium um, was designed to do just that. And what we were able to do uh, was, um, I mean, we, we far exceeded uh, our expectations and uh, just the, the number of folks that attended. It was uh, the facility we hosted it out at the University of South Alabama Faculty Club, and um, we were at capacity. Um, and we had such a wide range of um, uh, folks in attendance. Um, so about, I think, probably 60, 70% of them veterans. Uh, and we had folks from, um, you know, PhDs um, to uh, peer support, uh, to just veterans, uh, you know, in the community that just wanted to come and hear about it. Um, but, um, you know, what came out of that was, uh, you know, you, you go to these day-long conferences and, you you know, you might hear one or two good presenters. Um, and this thing was just, I mean, literally I was exhausted by the end of the day because there was not one presentation um, given that you could zone out on <laughs> because they were all so relevant. Nobody's um, looking at their phones. Nobody was looking at their phone. Uh, everybody was engaged. Um, you know, there was always questions. Um, and then probably one of the best parts of the program for me um, was we had a, a panel discussion um, where we invited um, folks who are uh, actively engaged in peer support in a, in a variety of settings, um, share and kind of take questions from uh, a moderator. Dr. Courier served as the moderator, and, um, and then we had questions from the audience. And, um, you know, a couple of those guys were, were VA uh, peer support uh, specialists with uh, a lot of credentials, a lot of training. Uh, and then we had some mm -hmm. folks out of um, uh, the nonprofit mm -hmm. world, um, and um, and some folks from academia, and um, 
just um, just a wealth of knowledge, uh, great sharing, great contacts, um, and you know, just really continuing um, our mission here, uh, Veterans Recovery, to just build that recovery community, and and we think that that's going to be best done um, by creating a bunch of highly motivated, very well trained peer support specialists. No, I absolutely agree. I think that, uh, especially when it comes to veteran mental health, that a non-clinical, not not at the level uh, of mental health, clinical mental health counselor like you and I are at, uh, or or definitely like uh, Dr. Courier, um, but someone that has more than just a basic understanding of you know, depression and PTSD. And so there's, there's this gap between what everybody thinks they know, uh, and then the clinical space. And for veterans, especially, uh, the peer support is significant. Uh, I talked about this back in episode 39, uh, with my buddy Bennett Tanton, who is a peer support specialist out of upstate New York, who, uh, he, he had heard about the symposium, wasn't actually able to go, uh, wasn't able to, to get down there. Uh, and he, and that sort of goes to the the buzz that you were already creating even before um, that there were VA peer support specialists that wanted to attend that weren't able to do so. Um, but but that critical piece of somebody that that you know it's cultural, right? But they already know the culture. Like you and I, we served in the military, and so we're sort of quote unquote super peers, where we have that sort of lived cultural competence. And I think there are a lot of veterans who who have the lived cultural competence that if we were just able to provide them the understanding, they don't need to know everything about, you know, mental health that you and I know and the DSM and diagnosis and all that. But if we can teach veterans who are interested and who want to support their um, their fellow service members, if we can teach them the basics about veteran mental health and mental wellness, then that's going to make everybody's job a whole heck of a lot easier. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the, the things that um, came out of our peer support, uh, the peer support symposium that we had um, was our, the discussion on, um, on suicide was just phenomenal. And, um, you know, even for somebody, I mean, you know, 32 years in the, in the military, you've had a little bit of suicide prevention training. And, um, but, you know, one of the things that, that came out of the presentation we had was the notion that um, you know suicide ideation and 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 somebody uh, uh, deciding to to uh, to take suicide as an option it doesn't happen quickly. Um, there's a slow ramp up, and then you know they're in that that crisis period or, or you know above that red line where it's it, it's possible, it's feasible, they have the means and a plan. Um, that period of time is very short. Um, and, and that's where I think, um, you know, in, in fighting the, the suicide epidemic, um, where peers can absolutely, um, be trained, um, to, to help that veteran get through that very short period of time. Uh, you know, it's typically hours that that, um, that that period of time lasts where, um, you know, someone who, who has a suicidal ideation uh, actually has the means and, and could actually carry it out. Um, but, but the research also shows that if we can get them past that period, back under that red line, that the recovery uh, can come and come very quickly. And, um, and so I think that's something that, that came out of the peer support symposium for me that, um, you know, is absolutely... I think, uh, within the wheelhouse of a, of a well-trained peer specialist. Sure. And even in that space, in that slow ramp up before they get to that red line, as, as you describe it, um, you know, say that's a 3% grade, you know, going up and it's a very long, gradual slope up where, um, a, a trained peer support specialist will be able to see those things sooner and catch it perhaps even before it gets up to the red line, um, and, and avoid right. that crisis moment altogether. Um, and, and I think that it, that it really is going to be critical of changing the way that we think and talk about federal mental health is by educating more of our, yours and mine, fellow service members um, about mental health and that it's it's not something to shy away from. It's not a last resort. It's something to 
it's something that's as common as diabetes or that that bum knee that I have uh, in in the there's treatment for for the mental health concerns just as much as there is for the diabetes or my knee that's right and and you know any any good peer uh, support training um, you know in the army um, you know I know you know this um, but you know we talk about that performance triad where we talk about um, you know, what we eat, getting good sleep, and, and, and rest. And that all comes out of um, that, that GAT tool that they developed a while back, um, that global assessment tool. And, and that's the approach, I think, that we need because it's, um, you know, we oftentimes, we separate the mental health from the physical health um, and the spiritual health and the social health and the financial health. And you just, you can't separate it. It's all part of um, the, the, we call it kind of a 360 view of the whole health. Um, and, and you really can't separate it out because, especially for veterans, but it's really true for everyone, um, you know, I don't have chronic pain um, in isolation. I have chronic pain in the midst of um, a post-traumatic event, or I have chronic pain in the midst of um, an addiction, you know, it, it all happens simultaneously. And, and if we if we don't take that whole person approach, um, it, it, we get kind of sidetracked. And I think that's what we've done and why we are where we are, where, you know, it's perfectly fine for me to go to the doctor and get medicine for my back pain. Um, but there's some stigma about talking about um, you know, this traumatic event that I went through that's causing me to stay up all night. Sure, and, and we're even... And, and we've got to get that mental health and physical health all back in one place. We've got to get it all together mm-hmm. because it's so related. And, and so that's something that you had mentioned earlier uh, of what you're trying to do with Veterans Recovery Resources about bringing in not just mental health professionals, but also physical health professionals. Um, but but before we get to that, I, I think I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, how Veterans Recovery Resources started. I know that uh, as you and I talked before we started recording, um, that uh, I first heard about it from Dr. Joseph Courier, who longtime listeners will know we had back on episode 33 talking about moral injury. Um, but uh, Dr. Courier was was very excited to tell me about what you were doing uh, even back that far. Uh, so uh, maybe start with the story of how Veterans Recovery Resources uh, came about and then what your vision for the organization is. Sure. Well, it's a, it's a long story, unfortunately, but, um, but one that's kind of coming to fruition, and I'll, I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can. The, um, so I struggled personally after my deployment from uh, Desert Storm and um, struggled with alcohol and, and just couldn't quite get it and finally got some help, and, um, and I, I got sober in, um, in 1996. And um, about that time, I, I got out of the Marine Corps Reserve and um, finished college and um, just kind of went inactive. And um, about 1998, decided to go back into um, the Army and get my commission. And um, so I finished uh, officer candidate school and uh, became a medical service corps officer. And I went out to Fort Sam Houston for my officer basic course. Um, and I had been in recovery for a year or two, and um, and I thought that I would find other soldiers um, in recovery. You know, on a big base like Fort Sam Houston, you would think um, there'd be some folks talking about uh, staying sober, and I couldn't find them anywhere. Uh, and that was the first notion that I had um, that um, there had to be a way to connect soldiers and veterans in recovery uh, with each other. Um, because th- those of us in long-term recovery, even short-term recovery, we know we cannot do it alone, and we've got to find other folks to help us in the fight. And um, and so, you know, it, it, that was the that was the spark, I guess. And um, you know, I just got busy with life and 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 didn't do anything with it. And um, I found exactly the same thing when I deployed uh, to Kosovo in 2004. Um, was able to start some 12-step meetings and, um, and you know, was able to get some support from the chaplains and behavioral health folks to, to let folks know, hey, I'm here, I'm in recovery if anybody wants to talk. Um, 
and didn't do much else with it after that. And then in, in 2009, I got mobilized again, um, and this time I got uh, sent to the Pentagon, and I worked for the Surgeon General of the Army. And I thought for sure, you know, I would be able to find a 12-step group and uh, some other uh, folks in recovery um, in D.C. at the Pentagon, and there was nothing there. Um, and so I, you know, went out in town and uh, found out where they were and uh, found a, a couple of other folks that worked there, and we started a meeting and um, and kind of got, uh, got a meeting going uh, there. And then... That's where, you know, I'm like, this this has really got to change. And then um, I think the thing that really did it for me, um, because at this point, the only experience I had was my own. I had no clinical background. Um, I really didn't know anything about the science of it. I only knew what I had to do um, for my own recovery. And so I worked in, in operations um, for the Surgeon General, and I got tasked to uh, write uh, the operations order to expand the Army Confidential Alcohol Treatment Program. And I started reading through this program, and it was completely clinical. And so the Army's approach was, um, you know, you could report that you have a problem, and uh, you would get into this confidential treatment uh, protocol that kind of kept it off your record. So they were trying to address the, the stigmas, which was good. Um, but the Army's approach was, you know, you got to see this provider for three appointments, and you got four appointments with this guy and two appointments with this guy, and you were cured. And you just went back to work. And, you know, we didn't talk about this again. And I, I told some of the leading uh, psychiatrists and folks, at the, you know, this is not going to work um, because that, that might get you sober for a little while, but unless you find some other folks on the same journey – you're not going to stay sober long. And, and that was really the final um, thing for me. And so I, I got, I, I finished that tour in, um, in 2010, um, you know, again, got home, got busy with life, but it, it, it just wouldn't go away. And um, so I mentioned um, the idea to somebody, um, I guess it would have been about 2014. And um, that guy was a friend of Joe Courier's. And um, and uh, I, I will never forget the day Joe Courier and I met for lunch, and I told him what I thought, and he said, "We got to do it." And so we set out to do it, and we're about three and a half years into it. So, and, and even that much, I, I really appreciate uh, you know just the honesty of the story, and that's critical uh, even in recovery is being open about you know, what we're dealing with. I, I'm, it doesn't surprise me, of course, um, that, uh, that those are the experiences. Um, but really coming from that background, from a recovery background, and, and seeing how important peer-to-peer, that's what AA is about or, or any of the other uh, recovery programs are about, is, um, is that, uh, uh, that peer support, not, not a peer support specialist like, like the VA, but just support from others who have experienced that. Uh, and so the ability for you to bridge that gap between my military service that needs the peer uh, aspect of it, because that's, you know, the, the buddy team is what we're all about. But also how critical peer to peer support was in your own recovery um, and and seeing that that KTEP program with new eyes, uh, with, with the eyes of someone who, who potentially would have um, uh, taken care of it. I think back when, uh, and I joined the Army in 92, um, so about the same time as you, um, and it was, uh, you know, it, whatever was before ASAP, right? But it was just, that was the place that no one wanted to go. Um, and it was always just this uh, avoidant thing. So you you got together uh, with with Joe Courier and you started um, coming up with it, it. It it's not just an addiction um, uh, program that you have. It's comprehensive mental health, um, more than just addiction treatment that you're doing at Veterans Recovery Resources. So going from the story where it became to where you're at now, um, and then what where you see it going in the future. Yeah, so, so what we know, um, uh, again, because we've lived it, is that um, very few of us uh, with alcohol and drug problems um, have, it, it, that's the only problem. There's always something more. 
Um, and so, you know, as just in my, my own personal work, um, you know, not in any kind of clinical um, uh, capacity, just in my own recovery work, working with other alcoholics and other folks, um, you know, I just started to see some trends, um, and it it, it it boiled down to just, you know, some really unhealthy um, uh, approaches to life, and it's... Um, you know, there's there's lots of studies to um, kind of tell us uh, where it started or how it started, um, and that's you know somewhat irrelevant in our approach um, because you know if you're if you're addicted to opiates because you took them for your back pain, you know you're still a drug addict, um, but you still got back pain, and so you you, you just can't treat one in isolation, and so. Um, you know, again, it, it just came out of my own personal experience of, um, you know, struggling uh, with, you know, post-combat um, uh, stress and um, those moral injuries that Dr. Courier talks about, um, and then, you know, trying to drink some of that stuff away, and then that compounds the problem, um, and then, you know, you, you've got the 30 years of um, you know, jumping out of airplanes and doing all the things we do to beat our bodies up physically. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not special. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of us who come out of military service uh, with, you know, real physical pain, uh, real emotional pain, real moral injury. Um, and, you know, that manifests itself in, a, in any number of ways. Um, and so, you know, for... For me, I, I was very fortunate to um, to get treatment um, from some folks who had um, a, a kind of a one-size-fits-all uh, approach to um, mental health. Um, and what I mean by that was it, it really didn't matter what your symptom was. So if it manifested as alcoholism or drug addiction or sex addiction or, um, you know, any other ism, um, it, the problem was always the same, and um, and the solution was the same, and and the, and the problem was that we were disconnected, you know, from God and from other people, and the solution is always uh, getting connected, and and that's the, you know, seems to be the approach, but you've got to address all those other issues um, uh, to get there, uh, to get connected, and um, and so. You know, talking about where where we want to go, uh, our our mission, um, and we we took months literally developing our mission statement um, because it, it seemed um, that you know there were any number of things keeping veterans from um, healing, and so it, it you know and so our mission is to remove those barriers. And so that could be, um, you know, not having VA benefits, not having insurance. Um, it could be, um, you know, thinking that I'm going to lose my job. It could be, um, you know, convincing our spouse that they need treatment. Um, you know, getting to an appointment, having something local so I don't have to take off from work um, a whole day for a one-hour appointment. Um, and so... We've we've kind of set out to um, to find the barriers that keep folks um, from from healing, and um, and try to you know just like we do in the military, uh, we come to an obstacle. You know, we're either going to go through it, go over it, go around it, uh, or blow it up. And and that's that's our approach. Yeah, if only we could uh, apply to debt core to uh, to some of that stigma out there that might uh, that might break it open. Well, again, I mean that's a that's a barrier. You're exactly right. I mean, uh, we've got um, you know just education. Um, you know, I, I I mean I just I just spoke to a military spouse just this afternoon, um, and you know her her uh, her spouse is is really struggling and. And she said he he told me he just wants to sit in a room with other people like him who can tell him he's not crazy. And um, you know uh, you talk about that all the time. Uh, it's not crazy, um, and he is just like the rest of us. 
and we all struggle in different ways. But um, but you know that that's such a huge part of my own personal recovery is knowing that you know I'm not special and I'm not the only one that feels this way. And when I can share honestly with um, you know another another veteran about my experience and get that you know kind of right back to me that opens up the door for us to have a real meaningful conversation and out of that real meaningful conversation we have a connection and now we're kind of bound to each other and you know we're not going to let each other fail yeah and i think and the trick me. It, it is absolutely i, I think the trick is uh, how do we get the veteran to come into that room to t- to decide that I am going to open up rather than than staying in this disconnected place that you talked about? I, what you were talking about earlier is the two biggest barriers for veterans receiving treatment from the VA. One was the VA and some of the, you know, you and I both, uh, um, you know, are members uh, of, of uh, receiving services. I was on the phone this afternoon for 35 minutes trying to coordinate uh, a VA appointment. Uh, but it's not the VA, it's the veteran themselves, which is the barrier. And this is what I found really over the last uh, four years since I've been doing this, is we can provide all of the resources. You can open up uh, uh, Veterans Recovery Resources in in, uh, in Mobile, and we could do things in Orlando, in Chicago, in Colorado Springs. Um, but yet the veteran is still not accessing services at the rate that they should, um, and, and I really do feel that there's a need to be able to, like you said, educate and sort of um, get, the, get the information out there. Um, because even if we, <laughs> you and I are doing this work, you're a clinician, I'm a clinician, um, we love the work that we're doing, but we would love to be able to, I'm sure there's a, a dock somewhere on the Gulf of Mexico with your name on it, and I'd love to be in the mountains, you know, 90% of my time. Um, but we know that veterans aren't accessing the resources um, the way that they should. So how do you think that, that we can really get that information out to the veterans or even the veteran spouses or family members? Well, it's, uh, you know, shows just like this. I mean, um, you know, your, your book, your podcast, um, you know, getting, uh, getting the word out. You know, a lot of us are still serving, um, and we can talk about it at our unit. Um, you know, we do a tremendous amount of community outreach uh, here at Veterans Recovery. Uh, we've actually, you know, developed uh, a speakers bureau, um, for lack of a better word, um, to, you know, to kind of multiply me. So I'm, I, you know, I'm not the one always uh, talking. Um, but, um, I mean, we, we are ingrained in the, in the veteran community here uh, in Mobile, uh, so we have someone from Veterans Recovery is um, a member of, uh, you know, we're, we're members of just about every veteran service organization there is. So, you know, we've got members in the VFW, the American Legion, the Disabled American Vets. Uh, one of the things that we have down here in South Alabama, which I think has become a kind of a model community for the VA, um, is we have a... Um, I don't even know what you call it, but it's it's kind of a coalition um, of of veterans uh, service organizations and and truly any business or organization who wants to serve veterans. Uh, it's called the South Alabama Veterans Council. Um, they meet once a month. Um, they have no money. They give no money. They need no money. Um, but it's an it's a uh, led by folks who are accountable to no one but themselves and the veterans they serve. Uh, and truly anyone um, with uh, something to say or something to offer to our veteran community uh, has a forum. And uh, they put out a newsletter, um, and we've, you know, again, we have representation from, um, you know, the Buffalo Soldiers, the Vietnam Vets, the Korean Vets. Um, unfortunately, we've, we've lost most of our World War II Vets, um, but they were there uh, when when uh, when they were living. And, um, and so everybody in the veteran community here, uh, has a voice and, uh, and a platform. Um, and, and the, I mean, the information is put out in newsletters and shared, you know, across, um, the VA and just about every organization, uh, a veteran might go for help. And so, um, you know, we spent a good, uh, two years, um, 
making sure that, um, you know, we knew where we fit in that community of, of uh, care. And, um, and more importantly, we identified uh, some of the gaps and we asked a lot of people, um, you know, what the gaps were. And, and that's, that's how we got to, um, you know, identifying the, the urgent need for residential care um, because there's just a, a huge gap. We have 64,000 veterans in South Alabama um, and 20 beds at the VA for residential treatment. And, you know, you can do the math from any study you want, and 20 beds is not enough. Right. No, I mean, and that's a, but I really like the idea um, that you have. Of course, all the communities I'm involved, I, I attend more meetings than I guess I particularly want to, as, as I'm sure that you do too. Um, but it's all about uh, us clinicians, mental health professionals, getting out of our offices uh, and into the community um, and, and really demystifying some of the wizardry sort of that we do. Um, and, and making it normal because if we sit over here and all the veterans are over there, then the gap is never going to get closed. And so uh, it sounds like a, a, getting that outreach piece and, and having, um, you know, people who are talking about federal mental health out in the community. Um, you're right. It, it, that's, it, it would be much more effective both in the short, short term and in the long run to really change the conversation. Absolutely. And we, you know, we, we use everything uh, we can find. Like, uh, for instance, one of, one of our um, clinical folks uh, is also a professor at the University of South Alabama, and he serves as the, uh, the faculty advisor for the Student Veteran Association. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's uh, veterans who come back who are alumni of the university, uh, and they've, they've put a group together, um, you know, just to do service. Um, and so just last month or so, we had a, um, the, the Student Veteran Association at uh, the university put together a, a, a cleanup day at a local park, and it just happened to be our, we call it Medal of Honor Park, and it's um, after uh, Medal of Honor recipients uh, from our state. And, um, you know, we were able to partner with them. We got the biz- businesses involved uh donating things. We got our county government involved. We got uh, city government involved um, and just had a great time and had a, a big barbecue and, um, you know, building community by serving the community. And, um, you know, that's what it takes. That's what it's going to take, I think, to to, uh, to change the conversation um, is, like you said, we got to get out in the community. It's It's our problem to solve. It is, and as uh, is, is my uh, my colleague, our colleague, uh, uh, Tony Williams, uh, who, who has a similar organization in Orlando, is fond of saying that it is a national problem, but it has a local solution. What would work here in Colorado Springs likely wouldn't work in South Alabama, um, you know, or, or New York, for that example. And so it does take um, each of us uh, engaging with the community um, and taking what we know and taking the information that we have and providing support. So that's great. I, uh, I I am going to make sure that the uh, the link to the uh, South Alabama Veterans Council, as well as the uh, Veterans Recovery Resources, uh, are in the show notes. Anything else you think you'd like to to share with the audience before we kick off? Um, well, our like I said, we you 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 really just summed it up for us. Um, it is a national problem, um, and it requires a local solution. Um, and so, you know, we, we intend for this, um, this Veterans Recovery Resources Treatment Facility in Mobile uh, to be the first of many. Um, and, and so we've, you know, we've laid the groundwork, we've got the infrastructure in place, um, and we intend to build, you know, we'd like to build about 50 of these um, because um, there's not a community of veterans um, that have enough inpatient um, treatment. And um, and so we've you know we've already talked to folks in Atlanta, um, some folks in um, out in Phoenix and Houston. Um, you know, like you said, it's it's a national problem, but it's one that's got to be it's got to be resolved at the local level, um, and that means um, community involvement. And so you know, the first phase of our capital campaign um, was all local, uh, and so you know. Um, this is this is a community problem, 
Um, and it's you know you see you see it manifest in our in our jails and our prisons and our social services. Um, you know it's it's taxing on our community. And so you know we've we've presented veterans recovery resources as not only a um, um, a solution for um, veterans mental health care, um, but it's an it's an economic development project. Um, because we we know that that uh, healthy thriving veterans make some of the best employees in the world, uh, and we've got tremendous we've got hundreds of jobs here in Mobile, Alabama that are unfilled um, that any one good veteran could fill, and um, and you know if we can get them on the other side of of the, the mental health crisis, um, you know these guys become and, and girls become. Um, you know, healthy, productive citizens. You know, we we work hard, uh, we participate at church, we coach little league, we do all of those community engagement things very well. Um, we've just got to get, um, you know, get get the war behind us and um, start living. No, absolutely, and uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. So if. Um if, if somebody would like to reach out, maybe um, they're working with an organization that uh, would like to partner with uh, Veterans Recovery or, or anything like that, how can they find you or the organization, uh, sort of uh, website, social media, things like that? Yeah, so uh, the website is vetsrecover.org, D-E-T-S-R-E-C-O-V-E-R.org. Um, and everything um, that we have or you would like to know about us is available on the website, um, including um, you know links to our Facebook, Twitter, um, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, plus our toll-free number. Um, and so uh, you can always click the Contact Us uh, button there uh, and send a note, and uh, several folks in the organization will get it, and you will get a response. Um, and then... You know, just as importantly, you can click the Donate Now button. So we are still uh, in phase two of our capital campaign, uh, and we've got about $2 million to raise uh, to renovate a 17,000-square-foot uh, facility uh, in an old historic school that we've purchased. Um, and so we, you know, we need resources. We need, we need cash, mostly. Um, and we are, you know, we're... We're, we will have our outpatient clinic open this month, and um, it's all on the same property, and you can see all of that on our website, vetsrecover.org. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to, to share with the, uh, with the audience, and hopefully uh, this will continue to add to the conversation and make a difference. All right, man. We look forward to getting you down here in South Alabama. We caught a mess load of big red fish this weekend and about two dozen trout and uh, they're big nice speckled trout um so come on down to south alabama and uh we'll take you fishing we'll see i think the humidity might be too much for me i'm a i'm a colorado mountain guy so you're listening to headspace and timing on the change your pov podcast network see, John and I can go on about this all day. The approach to veteran mental health that Veterans Recovery Resources is taking is one of connection and collaboration. You heard John talk about peer support, the concept of total wellness, and the need to make a discussion about veteran mental health a community conversation and not just a clinical conversation. We've talked about peer support before on the podcast back at the beginning of the year with Bennett Tanton. John talks here about how some programs are just straight clinical like prescribing therapy, like prescribing medications. Take two sessions and call me in the morning. Therapy, and medication for that matter, is very effective, but it's not everything. In my personal opinion, any program that works with veterans needs a component of peer-to-peer connection. It works in many different areas in life, and it works great when it comes to veteran mental health. We also talked about total wellness, what John called 360-degree person concept. Whatever you call it, it's about finding balance, not just in mental health, which includes our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, but also our spiritual health, the purpose that we find in our higher power. For me, it's my faith in Christ, but if that spiritual component is missing in life, then something very important is missing. We also need to focus on physical wellness, financial wellness, social wellness, by finding balance, not too much or too little. In each of these areas, we're going to be more effective and pleased in our post-military lives. 
and having a community conversation. There are many in the veteran support community who think that all we need to do to help the veteran is give them help with whatever it is that we do. If I'm an employment specialist, then we help get the veteran a job. If I'm a housing specialist, then I help the veteran get a place to live. Sobriety, financial stability, mental health counseling. If all of us think that our solution is the only one the veteran needs, then we're serving ourselves, not the needs of the veteran and their family. It's only through community collaboration and connection that we're actually able to change the way that we think and talk about total wellness. I do have to send out a huge thanks to Veterans Recovery Resources and in particular a member of their board of directors, Amanda Hayes. Veterans Recovery Resources purchased copies of Combat Vet Don't Mead Crazy for each of the attendees of their symposium, and I've been receiving a lot of great feedback about it. Anytime we're able to get the message out about veteran mental health and wellness, it's amazing. That's what we're trying to do here at Headspace and Timing, bring you as much information as we can about that one aspect of total wellness, veteran mental health. If you want to keep up with us, you can get the latest blog posts and podcasts delivered to Facebook Messenger, which will make it easier for you to listen, learn, and share with those you care about. Go to VeteranMentalHealth.com, and in the middle of the picture, there's a big orange button. Click that and let me do the rest. It's that simple. Next week, we're going to continue talking to folks in southern Alabama, Dr. Philip Smith and Nick Fedor. Nick presented at the Veterans Recovery Resources Peer Support Symposium, and Dr. Smith is participating in Operation Deep Dive, a multi-site community-based study on the environmental factors of veteran suicide. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it, and until then, stay focused and be well. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at Dwayne at VeteranMentalHealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com or ChangeYourPOV.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. The show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds. The show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neophyte in the Woods. The show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday. And Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com. Check it out. Because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone, weeds overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability
love you guys. Take those bottles out, dog, and pour them in the sink. Take the needles out your arm and the gun away from your forehead. It's time, man. You've been through enough pain. Stand up. It's time to stand back up. All my veterans, man. Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard. Get up, you know. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.